This Mishnah has one basic point, which is the halachas that apply to truma apply equally to chala. And uh, the Mishnah now will list ten different things that apply uniquely to chala and truma collectively, um, as opposed to other foods. It starts out by saying, truma, both chala and truma are number one, chayavan aleyan misa. There is a death penalty, misa bide shemaim, death at the hands of heaven, meaning premature death, that applies to one who intentionally eats truma or chala. And v'chomesh, that's a lach of chomesh. Chomesh, you'll recall from Masechus Trumos, is if a person inadvertently, b'shogeg, eats truma or chala, um, he has to make compensation, not just by repaying the Kohen from whom effectively he stole that truma, but whether or not there's a Kohen who, from whom he stole, a person has to make uh, achieve atonement by reinstituting that, recreating that truma, if you will, by taking chulun musukanim, ready-to-eat food, and um, replacing it and designating that as truma in its place, but also adding a surcharge of a chomesh, and the chomesh means that for every four units of value that one consumed inadvertently, he has that a fifth unit. So, for example, if a person ate four grapes that were truma, he has to return not four but five grapes to being truma. Um, so then chomesh is the fifth one, 25%. And that applies equally to chala. So if one ate four ounces of chala, he'd have to replace it with five ounces of chala. Five ounces of, of bread, I should say, to the kohen. Now, the Surum Lazarim, both Chal and Truma are forbidden to non-Kohanim. The truth is, as the Barthenor points out, this is essentially gratuitous, since once you've established the previous two points, that there's a rule of Misa B'day Shemayim and Chomesh, if it's Mezid or Shogig, respectively, so then of course it's forbidden to non-Kohanim, who are the ones who are going to be getting that Misa B'day Shemayim, or have to pay back to Chomesh if they ate it. Um, that's what applies to non-Kohanim. Um, Bartonur suggests that at least according to Rabbi Yochanan, who holds that Echatzi Shir is Doraisa, that is to say, according to Rabbi Yochanan, even though the Torah doesn't require you um, to receive a certain punishment under certain scenarios, like, uh, for example, if one eats less than a Kazai, it's not considered to be an act of eating. So although eating less than a Kazai does not carry with it the penalty of Misabidei Shemaim, a Kazai is an olive's bulk of an olive's volume of truma. Notwithstanding, if one eats half an olive's volume of truma, he still is violating Isra Doraisa, although no um, consequences uh, per se. So at least then it's saying it's, according to Yochan, at least it's saying, FYI, you should know that it's forbidden to a czar even at the Chatzis Shira, even at less than a Kazai's amount, etc. Okay. The Mishnah is by saying, Vehem Nichse Kohen. The gift that you give to the Kohen, the Truma gift or the Chala gift that you give the Kohen, it's his property. So that is to say, in contrast to, say, for example, uh, Meister Shani we just had, which is um, not yours, when it comes to Truma or Chala, it is the property of the Kohen, meaning a Kohen, let's say, if, if he had more dough than he needed, he could sell it to his fellow Kohen, um, take the money, and the money that he receives doesn't have Kedusha, meaning unlike, let's say, if he would have sold... Um, Meister Shani, or he would sell Shemitah produce which has sanctity, then the money carries the same restrictions as the original food stuff. Not true when it comes to Truma and Chala. If a person, a Kohen, sells Truma or Chala, he can use the proceeds that he receives for that sale and to purchase whatever he wants. It's his, it's his money. 
The rule is, as we've said before, that when it comes to mixtures of chulin and truma together, the normal rules of mixtures of tarovas don't apply. Under normal circumstances, mid or rice, if you have a mixture of um, two dry things, as long as you have a simple majority of permitted substance against the permitted substance, then the whole combination of mixtures considered to be permitted. Bitzel um, Barov, but um, and then if you have even if you have a, a mixture of tastes, then you would only need sixty times of the permitted against the forbidden. That's familiar to us. But when it comes to truma, the standards are higher yet. You have to have, um, loosely speaking, a hundred times of permitted chulin against one unit of forbidden truma to make the mixture permitted to non kohen The truth is, technically speaking, actually, as long as you have 99 and a bit units of chulin uh, against one unit of truma, it would be permitted. Okay, but that's what it means here. And utuunin rechitzas yadaim. Before you eat truma or chala, you have to first wash your hands. Um, you'll recall that there was 18 gazeras, special rules that were set up in one particular event when Beishamai outnumbered Beis Hillel. It's the famous sugin, beginning of Shabbos there. And one of the things they said is that stam yadaim, unwashed hands, are always going to be considered to be a shenila tumah, a second-degree tumah status, unless you know that they're still clean, unless you wash them. So that means every time one eats truma or chala, since truma or chala can become um, puzzle, become invalidated, if even a sheni touches the truma, and your hands are shniyam, your hands are second-degree tumah if you haven't washed them. Therefore, there's a requirement to wash your hands every time before you eat truma or chala. An echo of that is today when we wash our hands for bread, we're washing our hands um, to remember that the Kohanim had to wash their hands before they ate their um, truma, bread, or chala. Next, the Mishnah says, V'harev shemesh, you need hair of shemesh. Hair of shemesh means that if a person were tame, let's say for any tuma, he was a zav or he touched a dead rat, etc., um, so then he'll need to go to the mikvah at the end of the process, which could be the same day or seven days later, it doesn't matter. He goes to the mikvah and then after he comes out the mikvah as a tvul yom, as a person who's been to the mikvah on that day, he is still um, sullied with a vestige of tuma. He's a shenil tuma. He's got a secondary tuma status, effectively, and he may not eat from truma or chala until he has the three stars come out at the end of the day. Once that day is gone, hair of shemesh, which I'll translate loosely now, is three stars coming out. At that point, um, even the vestige of tuma is gone. And he's permitted once again to eat truma and chala. This is referenced in the very first Mishnah in all of Shas, which says, Mamus like Korin is a Shema Ba'arvis, from when does one eat, say, Kriya Shema in the evening, I should say. And the answer is, Mishash Kohanim Nechnasan Lechel Betrumasan, from the time the Kohanim come eat to eat their Truma, which is Tzetzel Kohavim, which is referring to the fact that the Kohanim can't eat Truma until Tzetzel, until the stars come out, three medium sized stars. And that's what it means over here, too. So, one who's a Shani can't eat until even after the mikvah until three stars have come out. min a separate additional rule. When one takes truma, so obviously the rule is you're supposed to take, let's say, um, truma gadola. You're taking um, one unit of truma for every fifty units that you have that need to be tithed. So for every fifty, you'll take one, which means you're leaving forty-nine of the fifty as now tithe produce. Now, the rule is that when one does that, it's supposed to be min hamukaf. These 50 units are meant to be um, together, meaning, like, let's say, in the same room together. 
under normal circumstances, we'll see more about that in the next parak, actually. But in any case, um, so when you identify the one unit that you're taking as truma, you make the other units now given over to being the and anyone can eat them. So the halachic status of both tame and tahor produce is the same in as much as both need to have truma taken from them. But the truma has a very different rule if it's tame or if it's tahor. If the truma is tame, then it must be given to a Kohen still, but the Kohen cannot eat it. He can just burn it, use it as a fuel source. Whereas if you give him tahor food, then he can, of course, eat that food, and he has to protect it from becoming tame. Our Mishnah is coming to say that if you have two batches of food, let's say for argument's sake, you had uh, 50 tahor grapes and 50 tame grapes for a total of 100 grapes. So you might think, listen, I'm doing the Kohen a great favor. I'll take two grapes that are tahor and separate them as the truma, meaning I'll take one of the grapes from the tahor batch on behalf of the tame batch. That's really a win-win, you might think, because as far as you're concerned, so you'll have one more grape that's tame, and you'll eat it because you can eat tame grapes, no problem. And the cone will get two grapes at a tahor, so he's also a winner. Everything's great. So you might think that's good, um, but the rabbi said not to do that, that you shouldn't take from the tahor, from the 50 tahor ones, a grape on behalf of the tame, one of the 50 tame grapes. And the reason why is because we're afraid that since minamukov, the requirement to keep all the food that you're tithing close together, you might be afraid um, to do that in the case where you have tame and tahor produce mixed because you don't want your truma, that tahor, to become tame. And that being the case, you won't fulfill the mitzvah of minamukov, of keeping uh, the all the food that you're tithing together close together. You'll keep like you know, a Chinese wall between the two, which would be no good. And therefore the rabbi said um, to make sure you keep the mukaf halacha, which is a halacha doraisa, uh, you will not take even from Tahor, even Tahor from Tame, which you think is the benefit of the Kohen, but no, we're not letting you do it because we're afraid you won't keep the Mokov requirement. Ellis is the Mishnah, Minha Mokov, you always have to do it. Minha Mokov having Mukaf means, it doesn't translate exactly, it means, it means close by and next to. So, says the Bartanur. So, that being the case, the Lacha is whenever you take true Murchala, you have to take from a batch of food stuff that is. Minhamukov, as again, as I'll define a little more in the next parak. Fine. And finally, umin hadavar hagamur, when you take uh, your truma or your chala, you're supposed to take it from produce that has been finished from being processed. So in the case of chala, it's really straightforward. It means once you finish kneading the dough, it's finished being kneaded, and you'll give that to the kohen, um, as opposed to when you, like, the first water comes in. Uh, when it comes to truma, it's just gemar malacha in general, the finishing the processing, which means, for example, if you are producing olive oil, so then you shouldn't give the Kohen olives and say, make your own oil. No, you should first press the oil and then give him from oil. Same with wine. If you're making wine, don't give him grapes, give him wine. If you're um, if you're uh, giving him wheat, let's say, so you do it and once you've done all the malachas that are prior to um, smoothing over the pile, which is the Gmar for grain, which would mean including, you know, you're, you're after you thresh and winnow and sort, etc., then you have grain, you'll give that processed grain to the Kohen. The Mishnah continues on by saying, Ha'omer kol gorani truma v'choli sasi chala. If a person says, my entire um, goren, my entire harvest, I'll translate loosely, is truma, or kol isasi chala, or my entire dough is chala, lo omar klum, he said nothing. Why is that? Although there's no real 
minimum or maximum of how much midoraisa you can take for chala or truma. It has to be that you're taking something from something else. So although it's true you could give 99.9% of your crop as truma or 99.9% of your dough as chala, and similarly midoraisa, you could give one tiny grain on your entire 10-acre field as truma, etc. That's true all midoraisa. But you can't say the entire crop or the entire dough is truma or chala, respectively, because then you're not taking something from something else, and that's what the Torah requires. You take some. Might be the case. It doesn't count. Aj yeshar mixas. It only works if you leave something behind. So if you have a million kernels of wheat, you could give nine hundred nine nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine as truma, etc. But you must leave that one kernel behind, um, or the one bit of dough behind, for the separating of truma or kala to be effective.